0: Please open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, Revelation 22. If you're visiting, there are sermon notes in the bulletin. We have been studying end times, and we have been looking at verses 6 to 22, and we've been looking at this as the base passages for our study, the foundational passage for our study, because this is the end This is the end of the Bible. When you come to chapter 22, verse six, and look at verse six, it says, and he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the Spirit, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And we have said through our study, this is about the future that is going to happen in light of eternity. It's gonna happen quickly. Now, when we talk about end times, We are not talking about time ultimately ending, but we're talking about time ending as we know it. The world as we know it is coming to an end. And yes, it's been 2,000 years, about 2,000 years since Revelation has been written. But in light of eternity, God has got a plan to bring an end to humanity as we know it. And we're excited about the fact that it's about to come. And it could come at any moment. And we call this the blessed hope that we read in Titus. All right, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but we have been talking about the, the, the end times so that we have a me- mentality of getting ready for it. And it's fascinating as we study verses 6 to 22, uh, that there are, excuse me, for 21, that there are, there are three major truths. If you look at your sermon notes, There are three major truths that are repeated over and over and over. That number one, the message is genuine. These words are faithful and true, verse six. This Jesus, second truth, he's coming again and it's imminent. And I'm gonna discuss a little bit more about imminency today, but I truly believe when you look at verse seven, behold, I'm coming quickly, all right? Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. There's a sense where the entire program is about to start. And then I believe you need to be ready. And we looked at verse 11 last week, which was a warning. I said last week, verse 11 is one of the most terrifying verses because it's like a parent saying, you want to be a jerk? You want to continue in sin? Go right ahead. You're going to pay the consequences. Because verse 11 says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Why would God ever say, hey, keep on sinning, keep on doing what you want? Because it was a judgment. It was like, you wanna be someone that hardens your heart towards God? Like a parent might say, okay, you keep doing that, wait till your father's home. (laughs) You're gonna get it, you're gonna get it, all right? That's what verse 11 is saying. You need to understand that. Now, with all of that said, and we're talking about end times, I know that end times can be very, very confusing. All right, and I put together the slideshow. Someone can get the lights. I want to use this to show you, if you've not been a student of end times, end times can be really, really confusing. And the slideshow is purposely designed to do two things, to show you the confusion and to show you the simple answers, okay? End times can be very confusing. What we're going to do is when we go through this, I want you to see the bold views are CFC views, Christian Fellowship Church views, okay? All right? We have studied, and if you weren't with us, the four major views of Revelation, the book of Revelation. We have said that there's a view called the Preterist view, the Idealist view, the Progressive Dispensationalist view, which is also sometimes called the, the Historism view, all right? And then what's called the Classical Dispensational, obviously you catch this, it's in bold, that's the view, that's the right view, all right, all right, if you weren't with us, I do have a slideshow that goes more into detail to all of this, but we said that you should understand all, these are the four major views, I got this from a book that I showed you last week, I greatly encourage you if you want to read my book, or you can still get it, it's like a little ten dollar book, when you talk about all the different Christian views on end times, they all are driven by these four views. All of them. All of them. And what was the difference between all of these views? We said, besides, you know, someone saying, okay, these people aren't saved, and some of them were written by people that are genuinely thought to be believers. We said that the major differences between them is the hermeneutics, okay? The hermeneutics, how you read, every one of these used a different hermeneutic, how you read the Bible. And we said the interesting dynamic is the classical dispensational view is that it uses the simple reading principles that you use every day to read the Bible from the beginning to the end. So that if you use the preterist view, it used what's called the grammatical historical approach, but then mixed in with allegory. So sometimes it will say something that, where we would agree that, um, you know, um, 42 months means 42 months. But when it comes to 1,000, they will say it, it has to be an allegory. It can't mean 1,000. What was interesting to me with the preterist view, with the idealist view, is that both of these views kind of blew me away. The book of Revelation has nothing to do with the second coming of Jesus. That's what kind of like blew me away. I thought that was interesting, and I just want to keep repeating that. Because the preterist view, which is the major Catholic view, many reforms churches hold to this, is that the book of Revelation is more about how Jesus came and is reigning today. And again, I've encouraged you, you read the book of Revelation. If you would think through just normal reading principles that, wow, the book of Revelation would be something that is already occurred and it's all about it raining now i think it leaves your head scratching and 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 you might want to say why did they do this well again they just decided that the book of revelation has to have some allegory to it it can't be taken at, in a literal way well we're not going to go on to that too much more just the, these were the four major views every every um key difference was because of the hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is just a big word that talks about the Bible reading methods. We know that if you use the grammatical historical methodology, you end up with what's called the classical dispensational view. All you've got to do is just write. We, the classical dispensational, that's the technical term. You just remember, you end up with the book of Revelation being future. That's it. I, 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 it's future, All right. So, the grammatical historical method, these are the key points. This is what should form your foundation, and this all falls out, and this is where the slideshow is going to go into more, even more detail, but it's basically these five key things. Revelation chapter 4 and, the f- and following our future, and we'll, we'll go through that today. We believe in what's called a pre-tribulational pre-tribu- rapture, that we believe that Jesus Christ is going to come for the church prior to the tribulation starting the seal the trumpet and bowl judgments so we'll see maybe even an allusion in chapter four to the pre-trib rapture and we're going to do a study more on that in the future but just know that this is what we believe and then when we come to revelation chapter 20 six times the word a thousand is used we believe that's literal that isn't something that's made up and that's a thousand year reign for the millennial reign of jesus which is tied to the fourth point Israel and the church being separate. Because God has made specific promises to Israel. He said that they would have a reign on earth. He said that there's gonna be a time when the earth changes. And if somebody dies at the age of a thousand, it's gonna be, I mean, at the age of a hundred, they are gonna be thought to be accursed. That that you're gonna still have death on the earth, but people are gonna be living again in a long amount of time. That is a promise to Israel most people today don't realize that that when you decide i am not going to use a grammatical historical approach that i'm going to end up maybe with a covenant approach or i'm going to end up i'm going to end up with, with a view where israel and the church are are the same now and basically that the church has replaced israel israel doesn't have a future and i know that can be confusing But if you just read normally, take Romans chapter 11, and you say, wow, one day Israel's going to have a future, you hold that Israel and the church are separate, which leads to say that promise that God gave to Israel has to come forward. And even though Revelation 20 is the only time that a thousand is mentioned, this is when it fits. Again, because I look at Israel being something that has a future. And if I'm taking the book of Revelation as a book that is a future book and not something that is just all an allegory, then I don't end up thinking that, that the book could be held by the preterist view or the what's called the idealistic view. The idealistic view that the entire book of Revelation has nothing to do with the future, but it all deals with symbolism of the ongoing good, battle between good and evil. Okay? And then late, lastly, I told you that you're dealing with Jesus literally returning in the end. Like I said, I don't think you could, take, you could take the book of Revelation, hand it to somebody that is at one of these other churches, and say, would you read this book and tell me what you think about it in regards to the return of Jesus? And they would say, oh yeah, it's definitely talking about Jesus. But then you go talk to their pastor or their priest, and they would come back and say whoa no no that's not the official teaching of our church the official teaching of our church is that this is this is all about how the kingdom started and jesus is ruling and reigning today and you'd scratch your head and say seal judgments one fourth of the world dies trumpet judgments one third of the world dies so one fourth then one third and then bowl judgments almost everybody dies how can you think that this is symbolic I know you can't see it, but this is this is just a timeline. Past, cross, what you have here is where we are today, the church age. At one point, we believe that there's gonna be a, an event called the rapture. Jesus is gonna come and take us away. There's gonna be what's called a seven-year tribulation. The book of Revelation talks about it being divided into two halves. Three and a half years, three and a half years. Time, times, and half a year. Time, times, and, and, and half a times. I got it right. Yeah. Time, times, and half a times. And then our, um, what else? It, 42 months. Those are the, the constant designations for half of the time, what's called the seven-year tribulation. At the end of the seven year tribulation, we believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back. This is ultimately where even the passage we're studying in Revelation talks about, okay? Um, Revelation. Jesus is literally coming again. And then we go into what's called the thousand year reign. And then at the end of this time is the ultimate great white throne judgment. That's the timeline. And again, I will give anybody this slideshow, if you email me or tell me after the service, give me your email, I will send this to you so you can see this. But if you take just the idea that the book of Revelation is future because you've used normal reading principles, you end up with what's called the pre-trib view. The church is taken, raptured, seized before the tribulation. The church returns with Jesus Christ for the thousand-year reign. This is where I, I, I show you this to be confusing. I do this purposely that there are all these different views on what's called the rapture There's called the mid-trib. There's called the pre-wrath view. There's called the post-trib Here's the definitions of each of them What is so fascinating is that when you start studying end times and you start saying well I don't know if I'm mid-trib and I don't know if I'm post-trib and I don't know if I'm pre-wrath what I wanted you just to have impressed upon all of you is that if you grasp the idea that i'm staying with a consistent normal reading hermeneutic you end up what's called with pre-trib this is the thing as a student when i went to seminary some 25 years ago i'm saying to myself i just want to dig into this because i really don't want some pastor just dumping this on me i really want to know why do people believe what they believe it all seems so systematized it all seems so technical it all seems so like over my head and how do i balance all of this and the thing that just kept blowing me away was when i was reading these people's views where they basically say even in their own writings and i for our church a couple of weeks ago i did quote this is that people were saying well if you take the grammatical historical approach yeah you're going to end up here and I'm thinking, well, then why in the world did you change your hermeneutic? And they really never justify it other than to say they did. And so I want you to feel comfortable knowing that if the normal, if the consensus is the normal reading um, result will be pre-trib. And then when you deal with what's called the thousand-year reign, the millennial kingdom, yeah, there's all these different views. Ah, milk. That there's no 1,000 years. Because the 1,000 years can't mean a 1,000 years because they took the hermeneutic that everything in the Revelation is symbolic. Well, you've already eliminated that so you don't end up with this. Or the postmill, that it's, again, a spiritual 1,000-year reign that Jesus returns. That, that, that things are getting better and better and better and better and that 1,000 doesn't mean a 1,000. And so even with the historical post millennial view, you you would say to yourself, I can't go there because I recognize that they've chosen a wrong hermeneutic, a wrong reading principle. And again, hermeneutic's a big word, but it's just, if I take the normal, simple reading principles, I end up with what's called pre-mill, that Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation and there's a literal thousand-year reign and you say so that's why i want to say it's really really simple and then also you avoid debates over israel's been replaced by the church which is called replacement theology it has no distinct future okay is and we believe here no israel and the church are separate israel has a future and you say why in the world would people even debate this again it's because they went back and they said we're gonna use a different hermeneutic and we're gonna think that everything is, is spiritualized and everything is symbolic. And so therefore, we're gonna say that, that when God says Israel's got a future in Romans 11, we're not gonna hold that it's literal. And you scratch your head and you sit there, and you say, well, I'm so confused. Am I pre-trip, post-trip, mid-trip, on-mill, post-mill? Well, listen, if you just take the simple reading principles, you end up with Israel and the church being separate. And this one's a little more, even more confusing. But then you end up saying, well, am I covenant in my theology or dispensational in my theology? Again, these are, these are big terms. I know that. But the whole idea of covenant theology is that it uses a grammatical, historical, theological hermeneutic that uses allegorical and system, systematic theology to r- arrive at its view versus dispensational theology which uses grammatical historical basically covenant theology says we're going to use normal reading principles until we don't like it (laughs) that's a fair thing i mean that's a fair way to put it and 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 grammatical historical says i i have to use normal reading principles and if i don't like something it's i've got to deal with it And and I may not like the fact that God has never mentioned a thousand years prior to Revelation chapter 20. Do you know that? In Revelation 20, it's the first time a thousand years appears. And and I'm stuck with it. What do I do with it? How do I systematize it? How do I I make it work? Well, I can't just arbitrarily dismiss it. That's what normal reading principles do. But if I'm going to take the covenant theology position, I'm going to say to myself, no, I just don't like it. God can't mean a thousand. It has to be symbolic. It has to be representative of a golden age of time. And a thousand doesn't mean a thousand. And I know that's really, really simplifying it, but that is at the heart of why the difference is. okay. Covenant theology starts with a grammatical historical hermetic, then adds the theological part many of its views can seem at times to overlap with dispensational theology especially dealing with salvation but that's why there's a difference in views this is why sometimes we'll talk about reform theology and we'll say oh wow we really like their position on salvation well because at this time there's nothing for them to say we're going to discard some of these views and so it'll mean that they'll overlap again I, again i know this can be confusing But to keep it simple, this is like from our text The end is really coming, the message is genuine, these events are future Jesus' return is imminent, this could all start at any time You are warned to be ready, how you live today matters All right. So here were these key points Revelation chapter 4 and following our future And I want you to see today, because we're going to go back to Revelation 4 That there is a pre-trib rapture, there's a literal thousand year reign Israel and the church are separate Jesus literally comes again. Again, emphasizing all major end-time views fall into those four categories. Preterist, idealist, progressive dispensationalist, or historical, or historism, and the classical dispensational. Every one of those, if you would just take the, the... Every one of those uses a different hermeneutic versus the classical dispensational. Classical dispensational ends up with these views. Okay, and then this timeline Rapture tribulation thousand-year reign Judgment great white throne judgment. Okay simply put See I made it confusing. I know I did but I wanted to come back to this Let's take everything as future Get the lights. Look, let's read Look in your Bibles History has come to the end. The tribulation has ended. Everything has been laid out. New heavens and new earth. The angel is speaking. Says this in verse 6. Revelation 22, verse 6. These words are faithful and true. The Lord of the spirits of the prophets sent his angels to show to his bond the things which must soon take place. It's going to happen. And behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book so we believe this is future we don't believe this is symbolic we don't believe this is about the kingdom of god ruling and reigning in people's hearts today just normal reading it seems like this has to happen in the future verse 8 i john and the one who heard and saw these things and when i heard and saw i fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things but he said to me do not fear i am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren of the prophets and of those who heed the words of this book worship god and he said to me, verse 10, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. Make sure that people hear this message. Make sure that they understand that this is future and that this is going to impact their life. And as I've said, and I've tell, I, as I've tried to warn you, someone says, well, wait a second, it's been 2,000 years. I know people that have lived their lives diligently, living for jesus christ and he never came in their return in their he never returned in their lifetime the reality of it as is, is we'll even see today this is the attitude that god wants believers to have and i tell you and i reiterate if you live your entire life serving god with the idea that he may return today no one no one will regret it none of you will come to me on your deathbed and say, Mike, you f- foolish pastor, you made me live for Jesus Christ and I missed out on so much. The reality of it is, is you're gonna say, I wish I lived my life more for God. And I, and I believe, I believe that with all my heart. And so I want you to understand This warning, verse 11, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. God is saying, you better make sure you've got your life right. Because this is a warning. I will judge people for how they live their life. Verse 12, this is where we're coming to. New verse today. Verse 12, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done fill in the blank jesus speaks again with the word final a final solemn testimony and if you note on your ser- <laughs> sermon notes this is a small section I mean, I mean it's small on your on your notes but it's really a big in, in the sense of all the verses 12 to 20. i have said that this part is where jesus speaks Some of you might have a red-letter edition Bible. I haven't ever spoke too much about this. Let me just tell you this. We must always remember, if you have a red-letter edition Bible, that a red-letter edition Bible is a Bible that that has made a, a translation decision. That the words that are now being spoken, that are on the written page, are the words of Jesus. And we want people to see that these words are words from jesus and it's kind of like almost like they want to say it but they don't but these words are special right but the reality of it is, is the entire bible is special right second the idea that these are the words of jesus are their decision. So passages like John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life and verse 17 and following you go into most red letter edition bibles and it is all red lettered but there's a great debate that John was the one who was writing from verse 17 on My point for bringing this up here is I cite people like dr robert l thomas one of the most greatest authorities i think on the new testament he believes and i I look at his reasoning verse 12 down to verse 20 should be all red letter that he believes and he didn't say red letter but he believes it's all jesus speaking so you just might want to note that on your bibles it's because if if you saw in your sermon notes says jesus speaks again And we're looking at verse 12, and by the time you come to verse 14, even my Bible, the Bible that I'm using, verse 14 and verse 15, are not in red letters. You might be saying, wait a second, Mike, that's not Jesus. Well, again, I think it is. It's not going to change anything because that's all the Word of God, but I just wanted to point that out to you. Now listen, let's get into the text. Verse 12. Behold, hey, catch let me let me catch your attention. That's what behold means. I want to catch your attention. I am coming quickly. Again, the idea, I'm coming soon. And we said the word soon means in a short amount of time. The short amount of time has to be in light of eternity. All right? It has to be in light of eternity. I even go back, I went back and I read Joel chapter 2, verse 1 this morning. And Joel talks about the day of the Lord. This incredible time of judgment is near. Well, Joel was 3,000 years ago. The idea God, it's either God has his timetable all messed up, or he's trying to reorient us towards an eternal mindset. And I think it's that. He wants us to have that eternal mindset that God, Jesus is coming quickly. And then he says, and my reward is with me. And, And the idea here is that Jesus, I believe, is trying to say, get ready, live in light of my return. You see the second truth that's on your sermon notes where it talks about the imminency. Imminency is a, is a very confusing concept, and let me just tell you why. People, when we talk about the imminent return of Jesus, it, it's the fact that he can happen at any time, right? But passages like Revelation 22, verse 12, are dealing ultimately with the second coming. And when we deal with the second coming, and I talk, I, and I went back to Dr. MacArthur, or, or like um, I've got a book, "When the Trumpet Sounds" by Tommy Ice. Most of the people look at Revelation 22 verse 12 as a second coming passage. And typically, when we think about imminency that Christ can come at any time, we think about rapture passages, First Thessalonians 4. I don't want to make this confusing. But I want you to understand I believe when we talk about imminency is that I think we should talk about the entire program And when I talk about the entire program when Jesus says I'm coming quickly it includes the rapture And 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 that's why sometimes things get confusing Let me just look Think about this Jesus has said these words at the end of this book He's saying behold I'm coming quickly I believe he's saying this entire program is about to start go back to Revelation chapter 4 remember we said the future events in the book of Revelation start in Revelation chapter 4 okay the book of Revelation charts in chapter 1 where it talks about let me give you the outline the things that are chapter 1 the thing uh, the things you've seen chapter 1 he sees the vision of, of God Jesus Christ The things that are chapters 2 and 3 and then the things that will be and we believe that chapter 4 begins the things that will be it's from chapter 4 on that you never see a reference to the church except for one time in chapter 22 the church is now gone and you look at chapter 4 verse 1 after these things I look John writes and behold a door standing open in heaven And the first voice which i heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said come up here and i will show you what must take place after these things i can't definitively say that that is the rapture but i would hold that it is that it does represent the rapture that that john is being taken up into heaven and he's being shown what's going to take place in the future The rapture is the event from 1 Thessalonians 4 where the church is seized. It's raptured. It's grabbed up into heaven. Now, just understand, John is shown a scene in heaven in chapters 4 and 5. When you come to the end of chapter 5, jump over there, um, he is seen Jesus Christ going to take over the earth, the title deed for the earth. He's got a document. It's scrolled up and no one can open it. But the lamb is going to open it. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Then I I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a loud voice of thunder, saying, Come. And I looked and behold, a white horse. And he who who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and, and to conquer. This begins, we believe, the seven-year tribulation. You have what's called the sealed judgments. You read through these, one-fourth of the earth population dies. One-fourth of the world. This has never occurred. I can't see how anyone could think this is symbolic. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is we know that this begins the the, 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 the tribulation. Jesus Christ cannot physically return only because he has told us the sequence of things that have to take place seal judgments you go over to chapter 8 chapter 8 verse 1 when the lamb broke the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour and begins the trumpet judgments and verse 2 says and i saw this angels who stood before god and seven trumpets were given to them these are all just these are the type of judgments seal judgments was taken off the scroll trumpet judgments these are just names that god has given there's greater intensity one-third of the world dies with these you go into chapter 16 and the bowl judgments occur all right and again just looking at these as chronological that these are going to happen in order so chapter 16 look at verse 1 then i heard a voice from the temple saying to the seven angels go and pour out on the earth the seven bulls of the wrath of god again sequential in order god is bringing these judgments upon the earth but it's not until you come to chapter 19 chapter 19 i want you to understand verse 11 after you we have the marriage of the of the lamb chapter 11 i mean chapter 19 verse 11 and i saw heaven open up and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and we believe this is when jesus christ returns physically all right now if jesus keeps saying behold i'm coming quickly behold i'm coming quickly and you say wait a second how could you say you're coming quickly if i'm going to live with a sense of imminency when i know that you can't come until the entire tribulation plays out well there is the thought that that lies in the idea of what's called the rapture because i believe when jesus is saying the program is about to start the program that includes his bringing this entire judgment starts back in chapter 4 with the church being called up, the church being raptured. So I know that sometimes when people in the dispensational camp talk about imminency, they'll, they'll take the Revelation 22 passage and they'll say, well, that's just second coming. And it's true, but it's second coming with the entire program. And, and I, I'm going to do it again Turn back to Matthew 24. I want to at least get this in this morning. Matthew chapter 24. Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. It, this is very similar in looking at end times. when In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked Jesus this great question. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will we, these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answers, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Verse 5. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom will, will, against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. I wholeheartedly believe that this is parallel to the sealed judgments. You go back and you study the sealed judgments in Revelation 6. They sound very much like Matthew chapter 24. As we go on, jump down. Verse 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. You study the book of Revelation. It talks about how the gospel through an angel is going to be. make sure that it's going to go to the whole world. But verse 15 is key. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the whole place, let the reader understand that those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The abomination of desolation is the middle point of the tribulation Okay, I believe the church is gone already by this time because remember revelation 4 dealt with I believe the rapture Now my point in all of this is I believe Jesus wants you to understand That when he warns about his coming He's warning about the entire program because it doesn't matter if your church or people who are left behind You've got to be living in light of this and just look, as we move forward through Matthew 24, as Jesus talks about learning from this, look at verse 32. Learn from the parable of the victory. And it's basically saying, verse 33, so you two, when you see all these things, recognize that he's near right at the door. Wait a second. Jesus can't come back unless, again, you have a seven-year tribulation. Jump down to verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you don't know which, which, which day your Lord is coming. What do you mean? All I've got to do is know the, the idea of when the tribulation started, and I count seven years forward, and I'll know exactly when he's coming. And that is a sense, I believe, that's That's true. I think what this has to be talking about is the entire time period. We don't know when this time period is kicking off. We don't know. It is something that's imminent. And you've got to be ready. It's interesting to me. Jesus then challenges, verse 45, "'Who then is the faithful and sensible slave "'whom his master put in charge of his household "'to give them their food at the proper time? "'Blessed is the slave when his master finds doing so when he comes. "'Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions.'" You go into chapter 25, and you've got the parable of the virgins. You go into chapter 25, verse 14, you've got the parable of the talents. All right? So then he wraps it all up, and he says in verse 31, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his, on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him. Verse 32. All of this is to say... Jesus is saying, be ready for this. Be ready for what? For this entire program to kick off. And I believe that you and I need to be ready to let people know that this tribulation is going to start and to know, okay, fine, go back to Revelation. I'm trying to think right here, quick on my feet, to end this for you. Um, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. You see, I'm gonna take this as simply as get ready. Get ready that this entire program is gonna start. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Next week, we'll get into this concept of reward. It's tied to the Old Testament. I've told you there are over 400 references in the Old Testament in the book of Revelation alone. But simply put, look at this as future look at this as the end of time as we know it look at this as something that you need to be ready for look at this as okay he's saying this entire program is about to start when is it going to start i don't know i am looking as a member of the church for relief i do believe that god is going to rapture me out and that's part of the imminency of this entire program but i also want to tell people get ready for this because if you're not taken and you are left behind you are going to have to go through this tribulation and you need to get your life you'll have to get your life right then which is going to be horrible so today i guess the best thing i can tell everyone in this room is make sure you're a christian today make sure you're born again today make sure you really know jesus christ today because if jesus does come today for the church he will only take people who are born again Can you answer this honestly? Jesus says, "Unless a man is born again, he doesn't go into the kingdom of God." Have you been born again? Have you come to the place in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and He's transformed you, and you know that you're somewhat different? You know that you've been born again, because unless you have been born, unless you are born again, you will not go into the kingdom of God. End times can be confusing take today just simple truth it's all future and i'm telling to tell you be ready for the future today let's pray father i pray that people will think about the future and it'll impact today that's simple and they have to be right with jesus christ may everybody here truly know they're born again may everyone here today think about living for jesus christ today it's in his name we pray amen